Welcome to the ESG Academy, where the Hogan Lovells team quickly but thoroughly shares critical insights on key ESG issues that in-house counsel need to know. Today's episode is about the many complex ESG issues that arise in dealing with supply chains in the global economy. Your hosts are Chandri Navarro, a DC-based trade partner, and Miguel Angel Mateo Simon from our Mexico City office, who advises clients on corporate, commercial, and regulatory matters with a particular focus on the energy industry. Over to Chandri and Miguel to sum up the increasing importance and scrutiny over global supply chains and why a push for a more circular economy is the focus for many governments and regulators. Hi, this is uh, Miguel Angel Mateo Simon. Hi, Miguel. This is Chandri Navarro. So I think I am pretty excited to be here. Uh, this topic on supply chain, I think it's on spot on what we are seeing right now in Mexico, Latin America and the rest of the world. Everything is being disrupted as we, as we know it. So I think it's on a point that we have this conversation and discuss uh, where the trends we're seeing, where the issues we're seeing, and specifically considering your practice, Chandra, that it's pre-international and, and pre-in detail with supply chains. I would like to get your thoughts on, on what do you think are the primary issues disrupting the supply chains today? Sure. Really, these supply chain issues are, are caused by a, a number of factors. It started with the import duties that the Trump administration placed on a number of goods coming into the United States that started to disrupt supply chains. And then those duties were followed by massive duties on on virtually all imports from China. And China is, is obviously, uh, you know, the largest supplier of goods, the United States um, of, of consumer goods. And companies started to look for alternative sources going into other countries and finding it increasingly difficult. At the exact same time, um, there were there was a trade war between the U.S. and Europe relating to alleged subsidies on on, on aircraft between Airbus and, and Boeing, and so the U.S. imposed duties on imports from Europe, and Europe retaliated with duties on U.S. goods, and and fortunately those have um, sort of been resolved, but it cause this this disruption, you know, added to the disruption in the supply chain. And then we started seeing attempts by the Trump administration that have continued um, in the Biden administration to weed out forced labor in supply chains. And the U.S. government began imposing bans on imports from certain of certain products um, from tomato products, cotton containing all sorts of products, garments, uh, household goods, etc., with um, cotton from a certain part of China, the Xinjiang uh, Uyghur Autonomous Region. Um, this has also caused massive disruptions to supply chains when you cannot import goods from uh, from those countries and, and about 80% of the world's cotton comes from this region of China. Lastly, Brexit also uh, caused uh, some disruption in companies that had been using the UK as a sort of point of entry into the EU had to start looking at changing those routes. And obviously, finally, I think the largest factor is the, the COVID 
19 pandemic. All of those are really a, a part of this uh, ugly <laughs> stew that has uh, come about. Um, but I think really the pandemic is is really causing a sort of a continued upheaval. Um, the thing I'm seeing in the United States is given the Biden administration's uh, focus on addressing both the COVID-19 pandemic and the faltering U.S. economy that ensued, the Biden administration has really placed an important focus on labor and um, the environment. And so focused on these ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues. One of them is this high standard labor provisions of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada free trade agreement. We've already seen, you know, some cases propping up. And so that's causing some uncertainty about whether that can impact the supply chain with Mexico. And, and what are your thoughts on on how you're seeing that? Definitely, definitely. I mean, Probably the, the 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 issue that is most on the news right now is, and is most and is impacting more the, the Mexican supply chain, I guess, uh, uh, system is precisely the employment provisions in the USMCA agreement and how those have been impacting uh, Mexican companies. Right? I mean, Mexican companies had a way on doing things before, had a way on on contracting employees, on outsourcing employees, or what have you. And USMCA has just changed all that, right? So Mexican companies have now to start doing things differently. They have now to increase employment costs and, and, and employee costs because of the USMCA, which I think it's good. But what is happening is that many companies are either just trying to do something else or they are just uh, increasing their costs. And while that is not per se a disruption, I mean an incrementing cost, it does cause an impact in the supply chain and in the overall inflation of Mexico. Supply uh, uh, employee costs of the companies are, are a huge part of their fixed costs and, and that increase will have definitely an impact on, on the rest of the supply chain. So yes, we have been uh, seeing a lot of, of questions from clients on, on, on seeing how can we help them through both sides, uh, complying with the new governmental rules on, on contracting and just trying to get some sort of relief with their clients and in their supply chain for the incrementing costs. Definitely it's something that, that it, it's on top. Yeah, and a, and a team from, from both of our offices, D.C. and, and Mexico, uh, successfully resolved one of the first uh, cases brought under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada labor agreement. And the good news is there is a way to resolve these, but it isn't just coming from, you know, government pressure. Now it's also coming from investor pressure. Investors are demanding that companies that they invest in have sound ESG policies. And in fact, customers are, are demanding retailers, you know, be that, you know, that they buy from and brands they buy from are socially responsible. And then this is also being required in terms of disclosures, for example, at the, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC filings in for public companies have to disclose where they stand on certain uh, labor issues and environmental issues. And so this is really driving companies to really look at their supply chain, um, understand their supply chain, uh, and be able to adequately report right either to their investors or their or their purchasers 
Um, and I think this is happening not just in the United States, it's happening in Europe and, and like to, I'd like to get your, your take on it in Mexico. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I guess we're not alien to, to what's happening with investors. As an example, the Mexican president is just uh, trying to implement a constitutional amendment that would hit very hard the renewable sector in Mexico, right? And, and most of the companies, or many of the companies, are, strike, are starting to shift their investment towards uh, net carbon and companies that can actually uh, invest and make the energy transition easier, right? And that is something that is being complicated right here in Mexico. And, and the issue I, 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 I am concerned with is that since the, the Mexican government is not necessarily on the same page than many other countries and on the same page than many other investors, then uh, investors, institutional investors and others will start looking to other places where to invest their money, right? So for Mexican companies and, and, and Mexican operations, raising capital will become more expensive and that, that, uh, that expense will be uh, throw down to the supply chain, which again will increase costs and will perhaps cause uh, a harm to the social benefit of the entire market, right? So, so no, I, I, I agree with you and, and we in Mexico have a big challenge on that. So maybe we can talk about some of the things that the companies can do to deal with these supply chain issues we've been talking about. On the trade side, we can help clients look at what are the import duty ramifications of diversifying their supply chains, of sourcing from country A versus country B. Given that there are a number of different free trade agreements the United States has with different countries, what are those rules of origin? How much do they have to do in those countries to benefit from a duty-free treatment that is provided to the imports from those countries? What are their additional duties that are in place that I talked about earlier, for example, duties on steel and aluminum, duties on China? Are there anti-dumping duties from a number of different countries and, and different products? Those are the kinds of things that we can help clients monitor and take a look at. Is it in their best interest to, to move supply chain from, from one country to another? And then also, you know, these forced labor issues, right, that are front and center right now. Are they potentially subject to a withhold release order, a ban on imports from a specific region? Or are they likely to be more likely to be stopped and, and detained and uh, reviewed um, for these potential or uh, alleged forced labor issues. And then finally, you know, what are some of the contractual issues that, you know, we can help with? And, and maybe Miguel, you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the idea here is, okay, so you're diversifying your supply chain and in the diversification, you obviously need to look to, to other providers, other vendors, and to do that probably, you will need to terminate or to have an exit of the current structures you have at the moment because it is either uh, you want to terminate because as you say you probably find out that your vendor uh, in some place of the world does not have necessarily uh, a good uh, ESG policy on forced labor for example or perhaps uh, gender or sustainability and, and you want to go ahead and you want to terminate that and you want to move to other one that probably fits better with what your policies say. So 
in that sense, what you should do is just review how strong your ESG provisions are, how can you get out from that contract, whether you have to pay a penalty, whether you, you are, are not able to pay a penalty, you have to go to court to actually get an injunction allowing you to terminate the contract. It really depends where you are and in what jurisdiction you are. Here in Mexico, normally, it is not that hard getting out of a contract. Normally, if you have negotiated uh, if you are the client and you have a vendor and, and you have negotiated a good contract with proper ISG provisions, uh, it will be it will not be very difficult to get out of the contract. There may be other jurisdictions in Central America than that uh, exiting a contract. Not no matter what you have there, it is a bit more complicated. So and and the good thing is that we have experience uh, reviewing all those. So and I mean another issue that companies need to see that it it really it's a consequence of these two. Uh, the, the one on con the, the, the contractual issues and the duty ramifications, it's uh, great. You already have your contract. You know that you can go out and, and seek for another vendor, but perhaps you have a factory that you need to close or you have an infrastructure that you, you need to move from one place to another. So the labor issues, employment issues, they differ from country to country, right? Uh, here in Mexico, it's quite complicated to just go and close a factory and, and lay off all the employees, right? I mean, it is not something easy or cheap. Uh, there may be countries that it's very different, but, but this is also certainly something that you need to look in and to factor in your decision on, on moving and diversifying your supply chains. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know what, what's your, have, have been your experience with this employment issues in the US or otherwise, uh, Chandra, but, but this, these are the ones uh, that probably are more complicated to navigate uh, in, in, in any jurisdiction, I think. Absolutely. And we're seeing that across the globe with our clients and, and working with our uh, Hogan Levels partners in Mexico, in Europe, in the UK, really trying to weigh all of these different factors, the, the duty ramifications, the country of origin and sort of sourcing requirements, um, for example, of the Buy American rules in the U.S. and these ESG requirements. Um, and it's happening uh, in Europe. Our colleagues in Europe have their own um, and similar issues. They're where we're working on the UK anti-slavery statute. Uh, the Euro Europe is looking at uh, laws that are similar to the United States. So these are things that are in flux and it does mean paying very close attention to, to the supply chain and how these changes can actually take place, right? The contractual issues, labor issues, as well as duty and now logistics with you know shipping. Um, so we're, we're certainly well versed in these topics and and have the ability to help clients navigate these issues. Great. So I guess uh, the supply chain, it's always probably one of the most strategic parts of companies, right? Especially companies that rely a lot in other countries for their inputs and their raw materials. And Chandra, I would want to get your thoughts on what is happening at the moment. We're seeing all sort of shortages. I mean, we already talked of, of what COVID did for, for several industries. But uh, as we said, there is a backlog of shortages in the industry that uh, is still continuing. So what do you think it's in this context of, of shortages? What examples do you have on the principal issues 
that companies need to consider upon these uh, these shortages that we're seeing mostly in the international trade side. What are your thoughts on that? Certainly, as an example, we're certainly seeing disruptions in, in those industries that are subject to withhold release orders um, due to forced labor. And, and we expect that to continue. Uh, the U.S. Customs um, has stated that they will be looking at not just China in the near future. They've increased their personnel and their staffing in, in the forced labor branch of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And they're going to be looking at Latin America and Africa, they said. So we can expect to see those investigations starting soon or at least the fruits of those investigations and we'll, we'll, we'll likely see them as well well fortunately uh chandra our clients have you uh, ready to react upon these uh, new measures become effective at some point <laughs> absolutely and, and glad to be able to work with you miguel and and, and the rest of the team in mexico Thanks so much to Miguel and Chandri for today's discussion. Visit our ESG site on hoganlevels.com for additional podcasts, videos and resources. Or download more episodes from the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app for Android users. 